Hey, welcome to another exciting podcast from Freedom House Church. My name is Troy Maxwell. I'm the senior pastor of our church. We are one church that meets in multiple locations, which means we have different communicators at all of our different locations. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from one of our teaching teams. I know that it will bless you. You will walk away changed. So enjoy this message. Beautiful church. It's almost Christmas. Can you believe it? Well, I want to do something before we kick things off today. I want to just welcome all of our live streamers. What you do not probably realize is just how big this room is. Literally, there are people all over the world who are watching right now, and they are doing so because of you. So we just want to welcome everyone. We are so glad that you're joining us, and we're so glad you are in this room today. Uh, For those of you who I have not met yet, uh, my name is Penny Maxwell. My husband, Troy, and I are the senior pastors here. He is actually speaking at our South End campus, and then Olin Carter, uh, who is on our team as well, is speaking at our Lake Norman campus. And what we do here at Freedom House is we have a teaching team model. In other words, we don't do videos here. We feel like that God has asked us to raise up, disciple, uh, and develop people who have a speaking gift on their life. And then each Sunday, you get a fresh live word from God. So today, you get me, and I am pretty excited to be here. Uh, We are in a series that we kicked off last week called White Elephant. How many of you have ever been to a white elephant exchange party? How many of you are from the north and you call it a Yankee exchange? Yeah, you're in the south now, so there's no Yankee-ness down here. We call it a white elephant party. Some of you may refer to it as Dirty Santa. But the way that it got started is quite interesting. The king of Siam, which is now modern-day Thailand... Uh, knew that there was this rare animal called a white elephant. It was an albino elephant. And he had been gifted one many years prior. And in understanding this gift and how rare and how valuable it was, he also realized something else. So what he started to do is that people who were on his court that would annoy him that really would get under his skin, he would actually give them this rare gift to actually get under their skin. Now, you might say, this is a rare white elephant. Why in the world, if he's annoyed with somebody who's on his court, would he give them such an extravagant, rare, and very valuable gift? Because he understood and he knew that because a white elephant was so rare and valuable, there were laws regarding them. You could not use them to work. You could not use them to pull anything. They could not be ridden. In other words, there's nothing you can do with them. But you're still going to have to feed them a heck of a lot of food. And then when they eat all that food, guess what happens after that? You got a heck of a lot of mess to clean up. In other words, the cost to keep them outweighs their benefit. 
It seemed like it was a really good gift. It seemed rare and valuable, but once you bring that gift in, you realize the cost is way higher than what it means to actually keep it. So he did that because he was obviously passive aggressive. (laughs) But we started thinking how many of us are unwrapping or bringing gifts in, unwrapping them and not realizing that they're not useful for us. They may be wrapped in beautiful paper with gorgeous ribbons and look really tantalizing and then we bring it in, we open it up and we realize it's not so much a gift at all. It is not a gift we should be keeping. I remember when my kids were real little, um, my older brother, his name is Todd, he's a year older than me, um, he thought he would be kind of funny and give my kids the greatest gift ever. So he sat all three of them down and he looked at me and he calls me P. He goes, oh P, you're going to like this. And I thought, oh no, what has he done? He got my kids each of them the same gift, and it was these round balls that lit up, that shake, that were motion sensitive, and they didn't have an off button on them. (laughs) So anytime you'd walk by it or you'd touch it, it was loud, it made all this noise, it shook, it shaked, the lights would go crazy, and it got to the point where it was so annoying, I told him I was going to pay him back. That his kids, the following year, were going to each get a thousand-piece Lego set. <laughs> and that they would be under their feet and in their vacuum, that they would step on them. Eventually, when my kids were sleeping one day, my husband took those round spheres and he took the batteries out of them because we just couldn't deal with it any longer. They never stopped shaking and moving and flashing. So we had to take the batteries out of those bad boys when the kids weren't looking and pretend like we didn't know why they stopped working. You know, y'all know you've done that. It's like you're reading your kids a bedtime story and you skip four pages. You know that you do that. You know that every good parent has done that. But in this series, what we're going to be learning and understanding is that there are things we're bringing into our lives that may seem like a good idea or may seem like it's a gift, but it's not. It's not helping you and it's not beneficial to you. Why do we do that, though? Why do we sometimes unwrap things that we shouldn't be unwrapping? I made this statement a few weeks ago, and I want to go into it a little bit deeper in this message, but... We do not repeat bad behavior unless there is a perceived, keyword perceived, payoff. We do not perpetuate and continue bad patterns of behavior unless somewhere in there we see a payoff. What we're going to be doing today is figuring out what that payoff is because today I want to talk to you about one simple word, unforgiveness. Many of us are walking in unforgiveness and we're unable to let it go. We've unwrapped it and we're holding on to it because something about it is making us feel like there's a payoff. I can't let go of this because there's a benefit to me. I don't keep doing things in my life unless there's a perceived 
benefit or perceived payoff. And we're going to go into that deeper about unforgiveness in a minute. But that's what we're going to be unwrapping today. Why do we keep unwrapping unforgiveness? Why don't we start unwrapping forgiveness instead? There's several reasons, but let me just start with saying this. If you are in this room today or you are watching online, I want you to know something about Freedom House. I don't know about other churches that you may have been to, but Freedom House is a hospital. We are a hospital where every single person who walks through these doors gets a hospital gown. Every single person. Some of you just made it, may need a few stitches. Some of you may need chemotherapy. Some of you, we may need to shock your heart and bring you back to life. Whatever it is, every single person in here watching online, myself included, we all are wearing a hospital gown in one way or another. And what I want you to do is I want you just to picture this for a second. If all of us are in the same place, but we just have different things that we need the great physician to touch in our lives, maybe we could realize that since we all have the hospital gown on, that there is not one person alive that I have ever seen that looks flattering in a hospital gown. (laughs) You see, because there's this gap in the back... And all of us have an area of our lives that's vulnerable, that's exposed. Our backside is showing. Why? Because when we come in here and we are vulnerable, we're all on the same page. And God can do something big in our lives. But until we become vulnerable and allow him access and admit that we're broken, we're never going to get fixed. So it's great that you showed up to the hospital But you got to put the gown on and you got to come in and say, okay, I'm ready today to take a look at some things that maybe I didn't necessarily want to look at. I want to tell you something that happened to me. When my kids were young, I, you know, I think we had been here about two or three years. My son was playing basketball and my girls were cheerleading uh, for his team. And it was at Lake Norman Baptist Church. It was a, a league. I'll never forget this. And, and I was so excited to go and watch them. It literally, in my heart, felt like the best day ever. It was a Saturday morning. And I had gotten the Ziploc gallon bags, and I put all their little snacks in it because everything had to be organic. You know, I went through that phase where not one thing, it has to be organic. I don't want to damage them. The little juice boxes, I set them all up on the bleachers beside me. It was 100% real juice. You, You know what I'm saying? Organic. They had their little snacks all in the bag. And I was so excited. I could not wait for them to start the game. The game starts. I'm just cheering them on. I'm cheering on my girls on the side, and they would turn around and wave at me. And it's the days where they still, you know, like you. It was before (laughs) puberty hit, right? And, And my son would do this thing where every time he would make a basket, he would tell me, Mom, I just want you to know, every time I make a basket, it's for you. And so he, he would do this. He would make a basket, do this, and look at me, which meant I love you. 
And so he shoots the basket. He turns to find me, and he does this. And I just melted. Like, I literally just melted. And I had this thought that went through my mind that said, I don't care about some beach destination. I would rather be here now than anywhere else in the world. I would rather be here on this bench right now cheering on my children than than meeting with a world leader. And I was just going through my mind of everything that I could possibly be called for, and none of it would mean as much to me as watching my three kids in that moment and cheering them on. And it was such an exciting moment for me But in a split second, the next thing I know, there are tears streaming down my face and I'm uncontrollably crying on a bleacher, on a bench in a church that was running rec league basketball. Because my thoughts went to, if I feel this way, why didn't my parents Why did my mom and dad never come to anything that I ever did? Why did my mom and dad not protect me when I was sexually abused as a child? When my grandfather went to prison for what he did, my mom felt bad for him and bailed him out of jail. Why didn't my parents care? Why weren't they interested in me? Why didn't they get me a juice box or a bag of snacks? Where were they my whole childhood? And something that was a great moment all of a sudden flipped and turned. The script got flipped and it came out of nowhere. But what I realized in that moment is forgiveness is a choice. But every day we have to manage the decision that we made to forgive. In that moment, I could actually feel the abandonment of my parents and my family of my childhood. And I remember thinking, what kind of parent wouldn't be there for their child? What kind of parent would not show up and protect their child from abuse? What kind of parent would actually be drunk all the time or not be there for their kid? And so in that moment, I had to process what I'd processed before. Forgiveness is a decision, but it doesn't just stop there. It's something we have to continually manage. Now, why in the world did the things that happened to me happen? It wasn't God that did any of that. And so what can happen sometimes if we're not careful In order to protect our hearts, we start to build this wall up and we get angry. We get mad. And we feel justified. I was a little girl. I didn't ask to be sexually abused. I was a little girl. I didn't ask for an alcoholic father or a stepfather that was so busy making money he was never at home or a narcissistic mother. I didn't ask for any of that. So there were times in my life early on before I understood correctly that I felt like my anger was justified. 
I was a victim. I had every right to feel the way I felt. And so I went to the Bible to justify how I was feeling. And I read scriptures like this, Matthew 6, 14. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Okay, surely that's the only scripture that reads that way. Surely I'm justified to be angry at the things that were perpetuated against me. Let's find one that can back me up. Let's see if Luke 17 will back me up. So be alert to your brother's condition. And if you see him going the wrong direction, cry out and correct him. If there is true repentance on his part, forgive him. No matter how many times in one day your brother sins against you and says, I'm sorry, I'm changing, forgive me. You need to forgive him each and every time. Well, that stinks. I'm sure that's just also, that's just Luke's account of things. Surely, surely. I can justify my stance if I just keep reading a little bit further. Colossians 3.13. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. That is enough scriptures talking about forgiveness. I'm sure those are the only ones in the Bible. Because God obviously knows what I've gone through. I have a right to be angry over what happened, don't I? Ephesians 4, 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. Unforgiveness is like you drinking the poison and hoping the other person dies. Unforgiveness does not hurt them. It hurts you. But why is it so easy to hold on to? Why do we keep unwrapping it? Why does it seem like it's really tasty and I have a right to hold on to this? Why is that? Because somewhere there is a perceived payoff. Somewhere it seems beneficial. So what I want to do is I want to give you 10 reasons why we don't forgive. And I would encourage you to write these down because during this holiday season, many of you are going to come face to face with people that have hurt you. You're going to have things come up like I did sitting on the bleachers that day that maybe you hadn't felt in a while and you're going to have to look unforgiveness in the face and decide what you're going to do with it. So I want to give you 10 reasons of why we don't forgive. The first is forgiveness can make me look weak Or feel weak. can make me look or feel weak. In other words, it's making my pride bow its knee. I don't like feeling weak. And when I forgive you, 
I feel weak. Pride has to take a back seat. The second reason why I don't forgive is when I don't forgive, I feel in control and remain able to manipulate others. I can control you when I am angry and I can try to make you feel bad about what you've done and I can control your actions. It is a very poor coping mechanism that many of us employ. It's not healthy at all. Third reason why we don't forgive is I may get hurt again. What if I forgive you and you hurt me again? I feel vulnerable and I don't like feeling vulnerable. I would rather be angry and make myself angry because at least anger feels powerful. And if I get mad enough, I'll keep my arm out. And that's the only way I can keep you away is to be mad enough about the situation. We're going to deal with that in just a minute. But I want to keep giving you this list. Number four, reasons why I don't forgive. Because if I ignore it, it will just go away. Can I tell you that if you bury something alive, it is not dead. The only things that die are things that you bury already dead. But if you try to bury something that's alive, it's not dead. Ignoring it and trying to forget about it will not work. The fifth reason why I don't forgive is because of revenge. The other person needs to learn a lesson. They have to pay for what they have done. I want revenge because of what they have done to me. The problem is that an eye for an eye will only make you both blind. Doesn't work. The sixth reason why I don't forgive is because I don't understand God's love and forgiveness. I do not understand it. I cannot comprehend it. And because I cannot comprehend it, I cannot extend it to you. Number seven, why I don't forgive. I have not forgiven myself. If I keep beating myself up, how am I going to let you off the hook when I haven't even let myself off the hook? It's not possible. It's like trying to love someone else when you don't love yourself. You got to take care of you first before you can be anything to anybody else. If you haven't forgiven yourself, you certainly aren't going to be able to extend forgiveness to someone else because it's not in your possession. Number eight, why I don't forgive. It seems too easy and unfair, like I am condoning their sin. I remember one time I got into an argument with my husband, and he was really quick with the I'm sorry. And I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're not. I'm not ready for you to say I'm sorry. That was a little too easy, a little too quick for you. No. What I was saying is you haven't paid long enough. Do you know what's so interesting? Not one time that I have ever gone to God with my sin 
has he ever said to me, no, you're not. You haven't groveled and suffered long enough. But maybe I could think about that when I'm holding somebody else to a standard that is unrealistic, that God has never said to me. But I find so easy sometimes to say to someone else, Number nine reason why we don't forgive is because they need to come to me first. They're the ones that hurt me. They're the ones that did something wrong. I didn't do anything. I am going to sit here and wait for them to come to me. Number 10 reason why I don't forgive is I am waiting to feel like it. I don't feel like forgiving them. I am waiting for a feeling and I am not feeling it. I don't have the goosebumps. I, matter of fact, I'm not interested at all. I don't feel a thing. I'm so glad Jesus didn't say when he was going on the cross, I just don't feel like it. I know he didn't feel like it because he was sweating drops of blood, but he did it anyway. I'm so glad he's so much more mature than I am. Those are some of the perceived payoffs. There is always a reason why we perpetuate bad behavior. And I don't care what area of your life you're dealing with something and it's a pattern or a cycle. Figure out what your perceived payoff is and take the steam from it and then you'll get free. Now, let's talk about this for a minute. How do I know if I haven't forgiven somebody? How do I know? Are there signs? Are there telltale signs? What, what does it look like when I haven't Forgiven. I'm going to give you a few things to help you. My thinking and my judgment are clouded. I'm just not thinking clearly. Second one, my service for Jesus is hindered. What does that look like? I won't give because I haven't forgiven the last place that, you know, mishandled my finances. I won't give of my heart because somebody else heard it and I'm isolating myself. I'm not going to serve because what if somebody hurts me again? I'm still mad at the other person. Some of you are watching online today because of where you are that somebody else hurt you and you, you can't bring yourself to church yet. I understand that you've been hurt, I, and it's real. It's legit. But what I want you to know is you don't get to live there. It's not a place you get to set up camp. It's a place we walk through hurt. We walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but we don't get to pitch a tent there and camp and roast marshmallows. We don't. We walk through it. We don't isolate ourselves because of what somebody else did. You know, I had somebody say to me, uh, Pastor Troy and I have been pastoring for 27 years. And they made this, this comment to me. They said, you're not one of those pastor's wives that is withdrawn and isolated and kind of hides out. And I said, 
God won't let me do that. Sure, I've been hurt. I've had things said about me that were not true, that hurt me to the core. But I am disqualified if I hang on to that. I am disqualified. I have to step down from this platform if I walk in unforgiveness and I won't let it go. It makes you hard. It makes you bitter. It makes you cynical. It makes you suspicious. We don't get to hold on to that if we're going to do this Jesus life. We got to let it go. I'm not saying people won't hurt you or they haven't. I'm just saying we have to let it go because that's what Jesus asks of us. So, so how else do we know if we're walking in unforgiveness, if we've unwrapped that? Third way is the offender's name is on my lips way too often. I can't stop talking about what they did. I can't stop talking about what they said. I can't stop talking about the way that they treated me. At some point, we got to cut bait and keep fishing. At some point. How else do we know if we haven't forgiven? Because at the mention or sight of them, we have a physical reaction. We literally have a visceral response. We feel our heart race. We feel nauseous. We feel sick. We feel like we want to hide. I saw somebody recently that had done something to me that was very hurtful. I mysteriously saw them at another table. I mysteriously paid for their bill because I said, I'm not going to live with this in my heart. Doesn't mean that they treated me properly or fairly. But I have an opportunity of how I am going to handle it. That's not on them. That's on me. God will deal with them for what they have done, and it's not my issue. Last time I checked, revenge was whose? Mine, saith the Lord. It's not Penny Maxwell's, although sometimes I wish that it was. It's not. All right, number five, how do I know if I have not forgiven? I have an unrealistic expectation of justice. I don't understand why God's not mad at the same people I'm mad at. Why will God not strike those heathens down? Those uncircumcised Philistines, why would he not come out against them after what they have done to me? Why, why would they even be blessed? Lord, strip them of everything. Do you know what I find so interesting? Is when I have made a mistake, I can't remember one time in my 48 years of ever going to the Lord and said, Lord, I've messed up. Would you pour hot coals over my head right now? Lord, would you make me pay for everything I've done? Lord, beat me up. Lord, strip every blessing off of my life. I have never done that regarding myself. Do you think I've done that with anyone else? It's really interesting how we think God always takes on our perspective. 
You see, we judge ourselves by our intentions, but we judge other people by their actions. We let ourselves off the hook, but we won't let other people off the hook. We're going to send them to the guillotine every single time. That's how we know when there's unforgiveness in our heart. The last thing um, that I want to tell you, number six, how do I know if I have not forgiven? Because we have bitter roots in our hearts. There's bitterness in our hearts. How do we know if there's bitterness in our hearts? The fruit will always tell you about the root. What kind of fruit is your tree producing? Because the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Those are fruits of the Holy Spirit. If that's not the fruit we're displaying, we've got to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. You know what I'm saying? Your fruit can't lie. An apple tree will never produce an orange. So what is our fruit saying about our life? And I want to make this very clear. I want to, just because of the nature of this, I want you to understand something. Forgiveness is not synonymous with forgetting. You may remember what the person did, but you're not held in the prison that you once were. You can remember something that happened without the sting of pain being attached to it. Just because you've forgiven them doesn't mean necessarily that you have forgotten everything. The other thing I want you to understand is just because you have forgiven someone does not mean that you trust them again. Forgiveness and trust are not synonymous. In other words, I want you to hear me for a second. This is important because people mistake this all the time, which is why sometimes we don't forgive people because we think if we forgive them, we have to trust them again, and you do not. You do have to forgive. You do not have to trust. Forgiveness is freely given. Trust is earned. You don't get a seat at my table just because you said you were sorry, right? And you don't get to come back in my life or in my world after what you've done unless there is a period of time where you build back trust for all that you tore down. And if you deem yourself and show yourself not trustworthy, I forgive you, but I will not trust you. Whether we share DNA markers or Do you understand what I'm saying? Because many of us have obligatory relationships with our family that have destroyed us. They're not healthy. But because we feel obligated, we let people in that we should not be letting in because we feel guilty. Maybe they made us feel guilty. Forgiveness and trust are not the same thing. You give that forgiveness, but you don't have to give that trust out. You don't have to. You see, here's here's the thing. Forgiveness deals with the past. Trust 
deals with the future. I forgive you for the past, but I do not trust you with my future. There is a difference, and if we confuse that, we let people in that should not be in. I, uh, a couple years ago, when my kids were smaller, I remember I have a, a Yukon, and I remember for like a week straight driving, and it just sounded like this big slishing noise, like there was water somewhere in my car, and I couldn't figure out where it was. And so every time I would make a left turn or a right turn, it really sounded like I was driving a boat instead of a Yukon. All I could hear was this, this water. Well, eventually, I took the car in to the car dealership. And the guy at the car dealership said, Mrs. Maxwell, your door was filled with water. Your, it was my back left passenger, or back left the driver's door behind my seat. They said it was, it was filled with water. And I said, how did that happen? They said, well, the interesting thing is you were about one inch away from hitting the electrical unit, which would have shorted out your entire car had that have gotten submerged in water. And I said, well, how does a door get filled with water in the first place? I've never heard of that in my life. And he said, a helicopter. I said, I'm sorry, what? And he said, a helicopter. And I said, I, I'm sorry, I'm thinking it's some like automotive term and I'm just like, it's escaping me. I said, can you explain what that means? And he said, a helicopter. Do you know what a helicopter is? Let me show you a picture of a helicopter. You ever seen a maple tree? A little piece, that one little side piece of a helicopter tiny little thing had gone down through the window. There's a tiny little drainage hole on the bottom of all of our car doors. FYI, you didn't know you'd be learning that today. There's a little tiny drainage hole on all of our cars so when it rains, the water can drain down through. Well, this little tiny piece of a helicopter lodged down in my door and in the little tiny hole, it clogged it up. And that little tiny helicopter doesn't seem like it's such a threat, doesn't seem like it's a big deal, but it got stuck in my drainage hole and almost shorted out my entire car. If I would not have caught it, my whole car would have been shorted out and it would have cost me way more than the removal of a helicopter. How many of us have helicopters stuck in our life, and we are letting it fill up with unforgiveness, and we don't realize that we've been holding on to unforgiveness for so long, it seems common. We stopped listening to the swishing noise. We just started ignoring it. I mean, we heard the swishing in the beginning, but now we're ignoring the swishing noise, and we are this close to short-circuiting our life because we're not removing what needs to be removed from our life. When all God is saying is, hey, can, can I take this from you? This isn't beneficial to your life. This isn't good for you. Let me have this so you can be free. So, so it can drain the way that it needs to drain. Because what I know 
is I have received forgiveness by the truckload. So I have to give it by the truckload as well. Now, I'm not asking you to look 20 years out and say, you don't know all the stuff I've had to deal with. It's going to take me a long time to process through that. I'm, trust me, if we were to sit down and I were to tell you all that I went through, it shouldn't have happened. But since it did, I will never waste my story. God will never waste a hurt. And I will not stop declaring of the goodness of God, no matter who wasn't good to me. So what if we did this? What if we woke up and just for today said, I choose to walk in forgiveness just for today? Just for today. And then tomorrow when you wake up and it's now today, what if you woke up and said, just for today, I choose forgiveness. And then, when it's the day after that, and it's today again, what if you just wake up and say, I choose to forgive today. Stop looking all the way down the road and wondering how you're going to do it. Just choose forgiveness just for today. see you can't live under forgiveness unless you walk out forgiveness I want to read Matthew 6 14 again if you forgive men when they sin against you your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you do not forgive men their sins your father will not forgive your sins here's another one Mark eleven twenty five. and when you stand praying If you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. I love the Lord's prayer. It says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. Forgive us our trespasses as we, as we, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. There's a little girl who uh, heard this being read in church and she said, Lord, forgive us our trash baskets (laughs) as we forgive those who put trash in our baskets. And I started thinking maybe she's on to something. Maybe we need to forgive each other's trash. Today, I want you to do something. I have given you a card. It's laying right there on your seat. I dropped mine. It's a little note card. I want every single person to grab that note card. 
every single person. Grab that note card. And there's pins in the seat back pockets in front of you, or you can pull one out of your purse. But what I want you to do, see, there's a great chasm that was between us and our Lord, and he bridged that gap and forgave us. And so we're going to bridge the gap today of the chasm that is between us and someone else. Whoever has hurt you, has harmed you, whatever pain you are feeling, I want you to write that person's name on this card. And I'm going to tell you what you're going to do with this. But just go ahead and write down that person's name. Leslie, will you go ahead and just start singing that? How great the chasm that lay between Some people are family members. How high the mountain Could be a business partner could not climb. that did you wrong. Some people, I turn to you need to forgive someone that's not even alive anymore. An ex-spouse, then through the dawn, a husband or wife that you loving broke trust in your marriage, tore through the shadows, mother or father that hurt you, an uncle that abused you. I want every single person. To write something down. Jesus Christ. Could even be your own name. And once you finish that, I want you to stand up on your feet. That'll let me know you've already finished. Father, we release these people that have hurt us and wounded us. God, we release them because, Lord, you released us. You let us off the hook. God, we do this act, we do this demonstration in faith today, believing we will no longer hold on to the pain, the prison of the past. God, that we are set free. Your word says, whom the Son set free is free indeed. God, I thank you for every person in here, Lord, if they do not have a relationship with you, that God, they understand that because of your forgiveness, they get to walk directly into the throne room of grace, Lord, right into your loving arms. I thank you for that today. I thank you for those who right now in this moment are saying yes to you. God, I thank you for those who are saying yes to letting go of unforgiveness, that we'll stop unwrapping that perceived gift and we'll let it go, no matter how tempting it may be. We're going to let it go and stop unwrapping it. God, we thank you for working in our lives this holiday season. We believe that we are set free, that you have made a way for us, and we will no longer hold on to anything else. Father, we thank you for what you're doing. Now, here's what I want you to do. Aaron and Stephanie are going to dismiss us in just a second. I want you to do what that little girl said. I want you to take your trash 
and their trash and we have trash baskets at the doors when you are leaving you're going to take those names and you're going to put it in the trash and you are going to let go of every weight that is holding you you're going to let go of unforgiveness the brother or the sister whatever it is that is been holding you back as you leave today you're going to put that in there and you are free in jesus name